Welcome to Clets Heads, the podcast about bilingual children. My name is Sharon Onsworth, linguist at Radboud University in Nijmegen, the Netherlands, a mother of two bilingual children. In this episode of Clets Heads, Kletsover over language mixing. Why do bilingual children sometimes mix their two languages? Is it normal? And if we do it as parents, what impact does it have on our children's language development? And we're off to Canada. In Let's Clets, I speak to Dutch mum about her hopes and worries for her bilingual toddler. And our Clets head of the week is the 30-something Christy, who tells us how she has a different personality when she speaks her three languages, Spanish, German and English. Keep listening to find out more. My children are bilingual. They can choose to speak either Dutch or English. My husband and I are also bilingual, so we can also choose to speak either Dutch or English. Which language we choose depends on who we're with, where we are and what we're talking about. Usually we choose one of the two, so either English or Dutch, but sometimes we mix the two languages up. For example, if we speak English, we occasionally throw in a Dutch word. My son talks about his panda knuffel, not his panda soft toy. And both kids have afspraakjes, not playdates. What can also happen is that one of us starts a conversation in English and the other continues in Dutch. Now, this happens most often when the kids have been playing with a friend, a Dutch-speaking friend. I'll say something in English and they'll answer in Dutch. For someone who only speaks one language all day, it might sound weird or even not quite right. But for bilinguals, mixing your two languages is actually pretty normal. Nevertheless, as a parent, you sometimes wonder if all this mixing is okay. Are bilingual children really supposed to mix? Could it perhaps be a sign that they can't keep their two languages apart? And what happens to your child's language development if you mix the two languages yourself? Can you better avoid mixing altogether? In this episode of Clets Heads, we answer these questions with the help of Elmer Blom, professor at Utrecht University. We're both in the Netherlands, but of course, because of the pandemic, our conversation took place online. I started by asking Elmer why bilingual children sometimes mix their two languages. I think, uh, and this is also supported by research, of course, uh, because there has been quite a bit of research uh, into language mixing by children, um, that they mix for several reasons. Uh, they mix, for instance, because um, they don't know a word uh, in a language, in the language they're speaking, and then they use or they borrow the word from the other language. So that's a form of mixing. Yeah, yeah. I can see that with my kids sometimes they don't either they don't they don't know a word in a particular in one of their two languages or they just use it more often in one. So, you know, right now we're in the middle of lockdown and we're doing uh homeschooling and then we never really talk about doing maths, right? It's always uh come on, let's do your rekenen, right? Uh, which is the the Dutch word for for maths, um, and and even you know my youngest even told me you know don't call it maths it's not called maths it's called rekenen. No, they also mix because their parents mix, for instance. So if it's really normal in a household to to mix the languages, um, then the children will do the same as the parents do, of course. Um, it might also be the case, and it's a thing that we don't know that much about that they, but that we expect that it's also causing uh, the mixing by children, that they, some children might not be able to, to kind of suppress one language. Uh, so if, if you really need to speak into one language, so if it's a one language situation, 
um, then you have to suppress the other language. Um, and some children might not be um, very well able to do so. So that might also be a reason why they mix uh, a situation where they're not supposed to mix. For instance, so they so they're in a situation where the, where you know one of their two languages is 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 not relevant. Um, so I can imagine school would be a, a, a the classic case for this, right? Where you they shouldn't use their other language, but some kids might have a harder time ignoring their other language. I guess is that what you mean by suppressing? Yeah, true. Um, that's what I mean. Um, so that's something that we uh, that we do expect, but there hasn't been that much research into that aspect. So I suppose the question that all um, parents really have is whether you should worry about this. What do you think? No, in general, I um, uh, I would say you, sh- you shouldn't worry about it because it's, um, in a way, it's pretty normal um, that bilingual children mix. Um, and it's also not a sign that they're confused or so. We know that they mix, um, even though they're mix- mixing languages, they are re- know very well which language to speak in what situation, and if they really need to separate their languages, they can do so. Um, we know that, for instance, um, from studies that have been looking uh, whether children have different uh, mixing behavior when speaking to one parent compared to the other parent. Um, there was a famous study from a um, Norwegian English-speaking girl whose um, father, I think, mixes quite a bit, and her mother doesn't. And if you look at her, uh, so the child's mixing behavior, she doesn't mix that much when she speaks with her mother. And when she speaks with her father, she mixes much more. So that indicates that she knows very well how to use her languages and when or when not to mix. Yeah. And that was, I think, a two-year-old girl. So they know this from a very early age onwards. Yeah, so kids tend to know, right, if the if if it's even an option to mix right my I, I speak Dutch so my kids know that they can throw in Dutch words if they want to yeah when bilinguals mix their two languages they don't do this willy-nilly there's plenty of research showing that sentences with words from two different languages follow rules it's not just some multilingual mishmash the ways in which bilinguals mix can also be pretty creative I'm sure many parents who are listening can think of examples of how their children use their two languages in interesting and sometimes quite amusing ways. My favourite example is from my daughter when she was 18 months old. We'd just come back from a three-month stay in the US where she'd barely heard any Dutch. She was speaking, but not much, and mostly in English. She clearly knew, though, that when she was speaking to Oma and Opa, her Dutch-speaking grandparents, that she needed to speak Dutch. And I remember saying to Oma once, cake, look, and monkeycha. So what she'd done is to take the English word, monkey, and stick on some Dutch morphology, so a bit of an, a Dutch word, the ch part, to make it sound more Dutch, to make a Dutch word out of it. She didn't know the Dutch word at the time, ab, so the Dutch word for monkey, but she'd managed in a very creative way to mix the two languages so that she could make the word sound more Dutch for Oma. We'll hear more about this very productive part of Dutch later in Let's Kletz. What about at school? Because I know sometimes I know also from personal experience that uh, bilingual children can use words from the home language uh, at school. Now, of course, in our case, my kids speak English. The teacher understands more or less, uh, understands what our children are saying if, if they throw in English words. And one of them certainly used to. Um, but for many languages, that won't be the case. 
And I wonder, you know, uh, should you do something about that as a teacher if you have bilingual children who are using their home language at school? Yeah, I think if uh, if it really interferes with the conversation, if you're as a teacher really uh, not able to understand the child and it hinders the interaction and also possibly the relationship you have with a child, you you have to do something about it and have tried to understand um, what the child is saying. That's, of course, very difficult uh, if it's a language that you're not familiar with and that is uh, very distant from the language you, you know. Uh, but what you could do in those cases is um, ask for the help of parents uh, because they will know the words that the child is saying and they mm -hmm. can, uh, can make the translations for you so that you're better able to, uh, to understand the child and also um, help the child with learning um, the word in or the words in the language of schooling. Yeah, yeah. So, in fact, this is uh, these are suggestions made by uh, Mari Vashiani in the last episode of Kletzeds, where she talked about five simple steps to make space for bilingualism in the classroom. So, if there are listeners who are interested in that, teachers, then maybe go back to that episode and and you'll be able to find out more there. Okay, so I think we're now going to hear from our Kletzhead of the Week. Kletzhead of the Week. In every episode of Kletzheads, we speak to a bilingual child about what it's like to grow up with more than one language. In this episode, we're speaking to someone who grew up bilingually, but who is by now no longer a child. In fact, as you'll hear... She now has her own child. I'm Christy. Um, I'm in my mid-30s and I currently live in Guelph, Canada. And I grew up speaking German and Spanish and speak now English, German and Spanish fluently. So you were raised, you were raised uh, bilingually. Where did you learn those two languages, German and Spanish? Sure. So my dad is Austrian and I talk to him in German and to my brother in German as well. And my mother would always talk to us in Spanish, basically. And obviously I grew up in Vienna, so we would talk in German to our friends in school. So, yeah. And and how was that growing up bilingually with uh, with Spanish as one of your home languages? Huh. That's a good question. It was... um. Interesting, it was good, but it was also strange because at the time, um, Vienna was not very multicultural. Mm -hmm. So it uh, very often um, didn't feel like an advantage at the time, at least culturally or socially. But um, speaking two languages, it had its benefits. It attuned me to learning other languages very easily, but it also came with its confusion. So, um, you know, if you're if you're if you grow up speaking two languages you might kind of constantly like change words or kind of replace words you kind of talk german and then like use the spanish word so yeah yeah that's pretty normal i think yeah <laughs> yeah monolinguals can't do that right yeah <laughs> how did you learn english uh well i started learning english when i was um 15 in high school but I had made up my mind that I wanted to do my um, higher education in North America. So when I was 18, I, I moved to North America. So three, yeah. three languages. Um, mm -hmm. How much do you use each of those languages now? Well, that's a really good question because I predominantly use English because it's been such a huge part of my life academically and my relationships are predominantly in English. Um, 
So that has kind of become my dominant language at this point. And um, I speak to my mom on the phone occasionally, always in Spanish, but it's not like we talk every day for hours. And then German has kind of been on the back burner mostly. Um, uh, my father and I don't have the greatest relationships, so we don't talk very often. My brother and I don't really talk much either. But I had a baby a year ago and I decided to talk to her in German. So that's kind of like I'm speaking more German now yeah. since I've become a mother. But it's a very basic German. <laughs> so I find that really interesting. And so what mm -hmm. made you choose to speak German rather than, say, Spanish? Because I went to school in Austria and I feel like I'm just grammatically better equipped to teach her the language. And because Spanish, because it was like my second language, but it never came with the very thorough education that you get when you learn a language in like primary school and high school, like where all the kind of the foundations are set. Um, since I didn't have that with Spanish, I decided that um, German was the way I had to go. What, yeah. what does it mean to you though, uh, now the, that you are um, still trilingual? What, what does that mean to you? Maybe this is a, not the best answer, but it means to me that I have three types of personality. Oh, that is a great answer. <laughs> Tell me more. Um, I think that um, with each language has come a, a, a different type of universe of relating and being. So I think like uh, when I think of German, I think of a certain version of myself. And a certain kind of personality might be more introverted, more kind of cautious, more timid. Um, but then when I think of Spanish, it, it has come with more kind of like, uh, more kind of joyful, more open, more kind of like, um, just kind of extroverted. And then English has come with a kind of a mix between the two, kind of the type of personality that I invented myself that was not imposed to some extent so it's more kind of like the like remaking or redoing of christy on her own terms yeah i would say yeah yeah that's super interesting yes. i i also feel slightly different in english than in dutch so i'm a fluent speaker yeah. of dutch i don't really know any research about that by the way but what about like your identity how do you how do you describe yourself when somebody says oh where are you from or Oh my God, that's my identity. It's, that's really hard. So every, like in Austria, I was never quite the typical Austrian because I grew up with like a Spanish speaking mother who kind of also had made it her profession to teach Spanish. So our entire life was surrounded on her side, um, kind of by people talking Spanish to us, by her work being like dominated by the language and then also traveling every summer to Ecuador. So it made me very different um, culturally. But then again, being in South America was also strange because I was very much European and obviously had spoken German as a, had spoken it predominantly. So I, it was always like never really fitting in. So, and I think like the languages have given me an access to the world that is pretty broad because I feel like you become attuned to other people more easily, to other languages, to other cultures. But at the same time, it also makes you a little bit 
ruthless, I would say. Like the identity is very hard to pinpoint. Going back to your language uh, use now. Mm -hmm. So you said you're speaking German to your child. Is it little girl or little boy? A little girl, yeah. A little girl. And what what other languages does uh, she hear? Well, she hears English. Yeah. 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 Uh, My husband speaks to her in English and uh, our babysitter speaks to her in English. So, yeah. She's uh, turning 15 months. Yeah, she says more German words at this point. Yeah? Yeah. Yes. So I'm like, yay for me. Yeah, I was going to say, how does that make you feel then? It's strange. It is strange. I hope my German will keep improving as she gets older. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like relearning the language again. It's It's really strange because I've spoken English for so long now that I feel like at times German has become very passive, but I found myself kind of like accessing more vocabulary again as she ages. So it's kind of weird how memory starts kicking in. Yeah. Have you got a favorite word, German or Spanish? It's probably a swear word. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can't have that on the podcast. I know. All right, one last question then. So looking back at, at, you know, the fact that you you were raised bilingually can you tell us what the the best thing and the worst thing has been about that well the best thing is that um you have something that a lot of people don't have it's almost kind of like an access not just to a language but to uh so many other things that come with a language um and the worst thing is that um I think sometimes people can also feel intimidated. Maybe that's not the right word, but taken aback by you kind of having this kind of multifaceted personality. It can be confusing to others. Right. Very interesting. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us and uh, sharing your thoughts on what it's like to have grown up bilingually. (laughs) Thanks for all the questions. Let's head off the week. I'm sat here today, well, not literally sat here because, of course, we're at the other side of a computer screen, uh, but I'm here with Elmer Blom from Utrecht University, and we're talking about language mixing. So far, we've spoken about mixing by children, but now I want to talk about mixing by adults, or rather by the parents. So parents, like I said in the introduction, often mix their two languages and often worry about the fact that they, they, they do this. Should they be worried? Based on what we know from the, from the scientific literature, um, I think we shouldn't be too worried. So uh, there have been a few studies that have been looking into the effects of parental mixing. If parents mix a lot, whether that's kind of detrimental for the language development of their children. Um, there have been three studies that have been really addressing this question. One study has, has shown uh, a slight negative effect of, of mixing. So the more parents mix the smaller the vocabularies were of children in English in one of their languages, but this was only a small effect at the age of one and a half, I think, and at the age of two, it had disappeared again. Not too worrisome then? Not too worrisome, I would say. Uh, also in the light of the other studies, so there is uh, another study that hasn't shown any effect, uh, neither a positive nor a negative effect. And there is a study that has shown uh, a positive effect, actually, in the sense that um, the more the parents mixed Within a sentence, the larger the total, so the combined vocabulary of children in both the languages was. Okay, so the more parents mixed, 
When speaking to the kids, the more words the kids knew overall when you take both the languages together. Yeah. Okay. I think that might feel quite counterintuitive to, to some people. What was their explanation for that then? Yeah, yeah. I think also the, the authors also felt that it was kind of counterintuitive. Uh, so they already thought about how to, how to explain this. And their, their suggestion was that maybe what parents do is that, um, that they start to mix a little bit more when their children are linguistically a little bit more mature. So when they're kind of more developed, that the parents kind of are behaving a little bit more loosely in terms of, uh, of how they control the languages and that they start to mix a little bit more. So that was their suggestion. So it's like um, parents realize, well, my uh, my kids can handle it, so it doesn't matter if I chuck in a few words from the other language. Maybe. I'm not sure whether it's really a conscious thing, like really realizing yeah. it, but that's what, 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 the, uh, what the research has suggested. Yeah. Okay. Let's get Every episode, I speak to a parent or teacher about their experiences with bilingual children. In this episode... I speak to someone who is from the Netherlands, but now lives in Canada, where she's raising her own child bilingually. My name is Liz and I live in Guelph, Ontario. That's in Canada. And I speak Dutch with my son, Otis. And what other languages does he hear and from whom? So he hears Dutch mainly from me. Before the pandemic, we had a neighbor who uh, who was Dutch and she would sometimes babysit him, I remember now. And uh, so he would see her too, but uh, otherwise he hears mainly uh, English from my husband. My husband, uh, he is Egyptian and he grew up with both Arabic and, and English as a child. And he has decided uh, to my discontent to speak English to to our son um, but sometimes he hears some Arabic words as well and when he speaks with his grandparents over FaceTime he he hears some uh, Arabic through that as well uh, and the environment he lives in uh, really, Ontario is uh, is mainly uh, English so everyone around him speaks English and uh, at home my husband and I speak English too so yeah it's very English which me as a strong Dutch component for him. And how, how is it going then with this bilingualism? Yeah, actually the past few weeks started using a lot of words. And I was always worried, you know, in this English environment. So I made a list of the words that he knows. Um, and I started counting and actually most of the words that he produces are Dutch. So uh -huh. in that sense, I'm really happy with that. I'm also very happy with the fact that my my husband is picking up Dutch pretty well too, and he uses uh, Dutch in uh, in some of his sentences. And he's very creative with Dutch as well. Like he attaches the Dutch diminutive, like "je" or "je," to a lot of English nouns. Right. So for the for the listeners who who don't know any Dutch, so if you had a biscuit, so in in British English at least, and you turn that into a bicky, mm -hmm. right? That's Kind of a diminutive, and then Dutch is very, very productive in this way. And you can turn, uh, and Dutch speakers do turn pretty much anything and everything into a diminutive by adding je to the end of something. So he does that too in English. Yeah, he says things like, uh, Where's your courtier? And he uses uh, Dutch words in his English sentences as well. He says things like, uh, 
you want to go lekker eten, which means do you want to go have yummy food? So the words that he does know in Dutch, he actually uses them in his English, which is quite cute. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I can imagine there are people listening thinking, oh, oh, is that okay? You sound like that makes you feel very happy. Is that the case or do you sometimes worry? So when he uses the Dutch incorrectly, I correct him because I'm like, don't give my son input that's incorrect. But because I'm not so worried about it ha- affecting his English, especially because he hears so much English uh, around him. So I think adding Dutch to his English is cute because he's going to be so English dominant. But I'm very uh, hesitant and careful with using English in my Dutch because I want to give him proper and consistent Dutch input just because it's the minority language. Um, yeah. Yeah. Most or all bilingual kids go through stages where they mix languages. So I know this is going to happen. It's going to be a phase. And at some point, he's going to be better at separating. And I think also a lot of, a lot of the language becomes like some kind of like home lingo where you um where there's certain certain words that are always used in our house in one language or in the other yeah 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 i mean we have that too right so the we never say cuddly toy or soft toy we always say knuffelture so you said your your husband grew up himself bilingually arabic and english he's made the decision to speak english to his kids and i'm curious about that what what led him to make that decision if you don't mind me asking yeah so i have asked him several times too why this is the case um and he always says that it's so hard for him to switch mm-hmm. and i also think it has to do with the fact that he has been outside of uh egypt for so long he's he's been in canada for almost 10 years um this is the language that he that he uses Um, Like I have a lot of contact with friends and family in the Netherlands while he speaks with his parents, but doesn't have as much contact. So for him, it's, I think it's become more natural to speak English. And for me, English is still very much a second language, even though I'm I'm fluent um, in it. While for him, I think it's very much like a mother tongue. He started speaking when he moved with his parents to England when he was six years old. So he has a different, I think, a different emotional feeling with um, with English than yeah. I have. So when he says to our son, uh, well done, my love, uh, I can hear in the voice, there, it expresses so much love, the term my love. But when I say my love, it doesn't sound real. When I use a word like lievertje, that sounds much more natural and sincere to me. So, yeah. So for him, then it's really a choice of what language feels most natural to him as a parent to use when talking to uh, yeah. his child. We had uh, arguments when Otis was very young, like when he, let's say, by eight, when he was eight months old and Ahmed hadn't speak spoken enough uh, Arabic to him he always says he tries and uh, he tries when he's on the phone with the family but I don't think Otis will ever be a fluent speaker of Arabic unless he decides himself at a later age but I'm happy if he understands a bit of what his grandparents are telling him yeah yeah you live in the English-speaking part of Canada how do the people around you react to the fact that you're raising your child bilingually 
I think most people are very positive. Uh, sometimes they just stand and look and listen. But um, Ontario has a large population of people from Dutch descent. So a lot of people uh, recognize the language. Mm-hmm. Most people are from second or third generation. And yeah, you notice as well that back in the days when people emigrated they were more pushed towards speaking the language of the country instead of maintaining their heritage language. So most of these people understand some words but don't really speak it. So they're very positive hearing that Otis um, speaks it. It's kind of nostalgia then, no? Yeah. Uh, and there's a there's a Dutch store in, in our oh, town yeah? that sells Dutch food products. And whenever I'm there with Otis... A lot of people come to us to talk. What is that? I hear that. I know they're speaking Dutch also because we're in a Dutch store because, you know, who else wants to buy Hagelslag? Yeah, that's the chocolate sprinkles that Dutch people put on their sandwiches, <laughs> which uh, even after 20 years, is, it still seems rather strange. <laughs> so so uh, pretty positive. What do you think is the biggest challenge then for you as the parent who speaks the minority language yeah I, I think the biggest challenge is to for Otis to continue speaking to me in Dutch even when he realizes that I understand English and that English may be easier for him through schooling and and his environment I, I can imagine there are parents who are listening to this who just like you have got a got a young child or maybe are about to start their their journey with a child that they want to raise bilingually do you have a tip for those parents i would say to speak the language that comes most naturally to you um sometimes i hear uh someone say oh yeah i lived in in spanish for in in spain for two years maybe i i should speak spanish to my children but i think unless you really um you really feel the language you you know how to express in everything in that language, you express your emotions. It, it may not come uh, as natural. So I would always speak the language that comes uh, most natural. And in the beginning, I was a little bit afraid that I, I would be excluding my partner in the conversations I had mm-hmm. with my son because he didn't speak Dutch. So another tip would be to just try because I noticed that my husband picks up a lot of Dutch from me speaking to him so it's it's positive not only for my child but also for him and for us as a family so yeah I guess just give it a try yeah that's a great tip because I think a lot of people do really worry about that right when they don't they know that their partner doesn't understand their language or they're worried about what family conversations will look like. So, so far in your house, so good. Yeah, it's been great. <laughs> let's, let's. So there's actually not been that much research on the effect of language mixing by parents on children's language development. But what we do know then suggests there's no real reason to think there's a negative effect. No. But of course, much more research is, is needed to, uh, to look more closely into this. And also, whether it is, for instance, different for children uh, who have a language disorder. Yeah. So I know that you're about to embark on a, a large project for five years on the topic of language mixing. Maybe we can finish by uh, you telling us a bit about what, what it is you're going to do and what you hope to find. Yeah, of course. So it's uh, so the reason why I really want to do this research is... Um, because, well, we know 
there are quite some studies that have been looking at uh, mixing by children, but many of them are case studies. So looking at a few children, I want to look um, at many more children because what we know is that bilingualism is very heterogeneous and a child in one family is very different from a child in another family. And I also wanted to, to really find out uh, more about the influence of parental mixing because there are so few studies around mm -hmm. and I wanted to combine different methods and I wanted to look and uh, compare also children who have a language disorder to children who are typically developing in this respect. So um, I want to know, so maybe mixing by parents doesn't affect the language development of children who have a normal language development, but this might be different for children who really have trouble learning language. Mm -hmm. I suppose we can come back to you in uh, what, four or five years and find out the answer to that question. What, what methods are you going to use? How are you going to track the mixing patterns? That's a challenge because mixing is very um, influenced by context. And also if you really start to, um, to kind of collect data experimentally, you try to control everything and that can, can influence kind of naturalistic mixing behavior. So what we want to do is um, make full day recordings of uh, parent-child um, interactions at home, because I think to understand mixing, how parents mix, uh, why children mix, all these kind of things, you really need to look into uh, naturalistic data. Uh, and also in different situations, uh, during, during dinner time, what happens during playing, during book reading. Something we would like to do is to um, to ask children to um, to name, for instance, as many words as they can uh, that start with a letter F or the sound F. And then they can do this within one language or they can do this within both the languages. Mm -hmm. um, and then we want to see, for instance, if children have to do this in one language, uh, there might be children who kind of still use words in the other language. It might also be the case that, um, that in the situation where children are like, are allowed to use both the languages to, to do this test, that they are able to, to name many more words with an F. So that would be an argument to say, okay, if they're allowed to use both the languages, they can perform much better. Yeah, so it's to see both what the positive and the negative consequences can be of uh, mixing or being allowed to mix. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we look forward to hearing the results. Good luck with all of that. Thank you. <laughs> so when a child mixes their two languages, this isn't a sign that they themselves are mixed up. Mixing is a natural part of being bilingual. Some bilinguals mix more than others, and we know from work on language mixing with adults that the extent to which bilinguals mix can depend on many things, who they're talking to, what they're talking about, and where they are. It's likely that this will be the same for children. We'll have to wait for the results from Elmer's project to find out more. What we do know is that children often mix because they don't know the word in their other language, or at least they're less familiar with it. So it's a stage that many young bilingual children pass through. You can see it as them using all the knowledge that they have to communicate. The extent to which they continue to mix languages as they grow older will in part depend on how much mixing they hear around them. Most parents who speak more than one language themselves mix their two languages when speaking to their child. Some do it more than others, but there's research showing that even when parents say they don't mix, if you actually go and record what they say, they do. But as we heard in the episode, at least on the basis of the research available, there's no reason to worry about this. There's no reason to think that mixing as a parent will have a negative impact on your child's language development. 
Now, I actually think that many of our fears as parents about language mixing stem from a perspective on the world where in many places, the Netherlands included, being monolingual is seen as the norm and being bilingual, the exception. So maybe it's time then to embrace bilingualism and all that this entails. That's it for this episode. We'll be back next month with a new episode on bilingual siblings. If you want to know more about Kletzheads, go to kletzheadspodcast.org. That's where you'll also find more information about this episode. And if you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to Kletzheads using your favourite podcast app. Make sure you select the English edition. And if you've enjoyed the show, why not share it with a friend? Thanks for listening. And as we say in Dutch, tot het volgende keer. Thank you.